0: Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth can be stranger than fiction. On this week's episode, I'm telling stories about theft and how I decide whether or not I'm cut out for a life of crime. Stolen Rembrandt. All that you're about to hear happened when I was still in school, so I hope these youthful transgressions can be forgiven. I'm not a thief. It took me the better part of my teenage years to realize this. I'm just too anxious to steal. My first theft took place with my friends when I was about 12. This was during the time of Western cowboy movies and TV shows. Hard to believe today, but most young boys had twin leather holsters, each carrying a very realistic, but smaller scale Colt 45 revolver, the kind that every sheriff and outlaw possessed. Instead of shooting bullets, our toy guns shot caps, which came in long red paper rolls, not unlike party streamers, but smaller. And at regular intervals along the red paper strips, there were small raised bumps, each containing a tiny charge of gunpowder. When the trigger was pulled, the red paper strip advanced, and then the hammer came down and set off a charge, which sounded like a pistol shot. At a gathering of our little gang of pyromaniacs, my friend Tony starts out, What if we set off a whole roll of caps, all at once? Great idea, everyone concurs. He sets the roll of caps down on the sidewalk on end, as if it were a small tire he was going to roll, picks up a hammer, takes a mighty swing, and completely misses the roll, knocking a chunk of concrete out of the sidewalk. We all laugh while we push him around and poke him. You idiot, bonehead, numb nuts, and the like. Let me try. Come on, let me try, calls out Larry, who takes a big swing, strikes the roll dead center, with such force that it causes a very loud explosion, so powerful that the hammer kicks back with all of the caps going off at once. Larry marvels, wow, that almost sounded as loud as the cherry bomb. <coughs> Cheers all around, and Tony yells out, success. Rolls of caps are sold at our local drugstore, and while one of us, namely me, distracts the clerk, yes, Mr. Wilson, I'll have four sour balls, four jawbreakers, a dozen licorice sticks, half red, half black, four strips of candy dots, and a Three Musketeers bar. The rest of the gang fills their pockets with boxes of caps, four rolls to a box. Given that we're now setting off whole rolls of caps at once, our need for caps becomes insatiable. (coughs) Then comes the day when my team, working without me, gets caught. The police are summoned, and they give me up as well. Later, Tony apologizes, telling me, the cops really muscled us, man, what were we supposed to do? I'm really disappointed in all of them. Then my father sits me down for a stern lecture. Feigning tears, he says, I never thought that my only son would turn out to be a thief. My next theft isn't really a theft at all. After my violin lessons, I often go, violin case in hand, to the pet department of a nearby Woolworths. One day, a store employee dumps a bunch of baby turtles in a pile, inside an almost dry aquarium. Many of them are struggling unsuccessfully to right themselves, so I linger nearby until no one is looking, then reach in and turn each one upright. As I'm about to exit the store, I'm intercepted by a security guard who escorts me back to his office where he proceeds to search my pockets and my violin case, even digging through the little compartments for my resin and spare strings, but he can't find any turtles. Look, kid, I know you stole some turtles, So where are they? When I refuse to cooperate, he threatens that the next time the police will be called. This interrogation only adds to my anxiety about theft. Even so, there are still a few more pilfering episodes. In high school, my embarrassment at having to face the pharmacy cashier to buy condoms forces me to screw up my courage, overcome my anxiety, and simply pocket the rubbers. But once again, I get caught most likely because I look so guilty. It is then that I finally decide to accept the fact that I'm really not cut out to be a thief. When I graduate from high school and head to college in Boston, existentialism is all the rage. I take a great interest in the work of the French existential writer Albert Camus. In his novel entitled La Chute, which in English means the fall, the protagonist steals a painted wooden panel from the Van Eyck brothers' elaborate series of religious paintings for the altar of the cathedral in Ghent. Early in Camus' novel, the protagonist sits at a bar called the Mexico City in the red-light district of Amsterdam. He points out to someone nearby an empty, clear rectangular section of the wall above the bartender where a framed work of art must have hung, but he doesn't tell why he's drawing attention to it. Then at the end of another chapter, He hints at a famous art theft. And finally, in the last chapter, the mystery is explained, when he opens a cupboard in his apartment to reveal the painted panel stolen from the cathedral. I'm very intrigued by the notion that someone would steal a priceless work of art, be it a Van Gogh, a Rembrandt, or a da Vinci, and then keep it hidden in their closet for the rest of their life. Now that I'm a college student, I sometimes visit the Fogg Art Museum at Harvard University to take a look at their collection, and in particular, a small Rembrandt that hangs in a darkened room at the museum that was designed to look like an antechamber in a medieval cathedral. When I enter the museum on my most recent visit, mid-morning on a weekday, I'm surprised to find that there's no security guard sitting at the desk by the entrance. I can hear sounds of the guards talking and laughing downstairs in the basement. This is long before Renzo Piano's renovation of the fog, and well before the advent of CCTV and motion detectors. The fog in those days was a classic dusty old museum, like most art museums of the day. As I stare at the small Rembrandt in its ornate gilded frame, measuring maybe 25 inches tall, I realize that in front of me is a totally unguarded, priceless treasure. I have yet to encounter a single solitary soul Since entering the museum, next I turn my attention to the frame, which appears only to be secured to the wall by two small brackets with screws midway down each side. I saunter back into the lobby to determine that the guard's desk is still empty and no one is to be seen anywhere. Heading back into the darkened antechamber and the Rembrandt, my heart begins to kick up a notch. With only my fingers, I'm able to unscrew both brackets. Now my heart's really starting to kick. I say to myself, God, I can get away with this, stealing a Rembrandt. It'll be my own personal secret, just between me, myself, and I. Once loosened, I lift up the frame, which hangs by only a thin wire. It comes off the wall easily, and nothing happens. No alarm bells, no nothing. Then I rehang the picture, remove my trench coat, which I fold into a flat rectangle about the size of the painting, tuck it under my arm, walk out of the room, walk out of the museum, and along Quincy Street, which is empty, to the corner of Mass Ave, where there are a few pedestrians, but no one pays me and my folded coat the slightest attention. Back to the museum where the guards can still be heard joshing around downstairs, and back into the darkened antechamber. I think to myself, God, I can do this. And if I never tell another living soul and hide it well, I will never be caught. Again, I remove the picture from the wall and carefully wrap it in my coat. As soon as I take it under my arm, my heart feels like it's going to beat right out of my chest. I begin to shake and I feel sweat running from under my arms and also down my spine. I start to feel nauseous and fear that I might throw up. Also, my vision begins to pulse with the beating of my heart. So I try to will myself to walk toward the exit, but I'm totally frozen in place. I can do it, but I can't do it. I stand there feeling completely immobilized with fear and anxiety. Nothing has really changed since my days as a would-be thief in my youth. As I stand frozen in place, I realize that I might actually pass out and will be found on the floor, clutching the painting. With all my might, I force myself to unwrap and rehang the painting. As soon as the Rembrandt is back on the wall, rescrewed to its brackets by my trembling fingers, I feel the most sublime sense of relief that I've ever experienced in my entire life. I am overjoyed, exhilarated, giddy even. I don't walk down the front stairs of the fog so much as float down on a cloud of joyous relief. Now I'm sure that the knowledge that I'm not a thief will stick with me for the rest of my days. Thou shalt not steal. The Compulsive Storyteller is written and narrated by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kakoma, who also composed this week's music and made our theme song. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen, and it would be great if you could leave a review. Follow the show on Instagram, at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website, For more info at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening, and if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story.